Holy replacement host! This is Flight <laughs> Check Season 3, Episode 14. It's the... You know what that is? That's the pie episode, ladies and gentlemen. It is three, the pie episode! 3.14. Oh, wow. We're back wow. once again, not talking pie, but all aspects of Super Smash Bros. Melee. Wow, uh, I didn't realize that this was not only the Melee episode, but also the pie episode. This is really uh, the best day of my life. I get to invade Flight Check. And, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. After and you're, flaunting... hearing, you're hearing for the first time uh, a replacement guest host for the evening. Uh, my name, as always, is Sandy Toes. To my left, my fellow host and usual co-star, Nox War. But bringing in... All the way from the Dakotas, it's Dean, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Uh, Hello. Frequent no, flight check Discord community member, and usually in the chat as well. We are very excited for this special episode tonight. Uh, you know, MSI, it's cool and all, but you know what the cool kids really are talking about? It's, uh, it's Battle of BC5 which wrapped up yesterday some banger sets in the top eight lots to talk about i'm sure we have brought dean on uh for two reasons a one really to talk about uh battle of bc5 in ways that Knox and i certainly are unable to uh from our layman's perspective however we've brought in an expert we, we brought in the expert. We, uh, we phoned a friend, if you will. But really, this is occurring because our usual uh, co-host, Curly, did lose... Uh, it was a 1v1, wasn't it? Um, yeah, were... it was a... So it started off in Flycord. Uh, I don't even remember how it started. I was just talking about how fun Silas is. And then Curly just pouched up. He's like, hey, yo, 1v1 me. I got this. <laughs> I said, all right, uh, sure. Are there stakes? He said, yeah, if if I win, you're not allowed to take Ignite and Ranked. And if you win, Oof. you get to be on the show. I'm like, Okay, cool. And then I just whooped his ass 2-0, and now here I am. <laughs> it's, it's as easy as that, really. There you go. Brilliant. Uh, Dean, how about you give us just a little bit of quick background on your knowledge of the Melee community, uh, you know, what you are, who you are, what you do, uh, what your, if any, and uh, I know there is involvement in esports, but just kind of give us the rundown real quick. Of, sure. Uh, of where you've been and where you're going. Sure, 100%. Uh, well, I've been watching uh, Competitive Smash since 2013. Uh, started watching Melee around... Um, God, would have been Apex 2015 was the, f the first tournament that I watched live. Um, so just was able... Following from then on, uh, Melee was like the first like big eSport that I have been watching. Um, got in with the Smash Doc, like a lot of the top-name Melee players right now. And mm -hmm. since then, I joined my local scene, started playing in uh, three different Smash titles. Um, that led me into becoming a fan of League of Legends and how I got into following first Echo Fox, then FlyQuest. So when I heard that FlyQuest was getting involved in Melee with the signing of Kadoran, uh, I was super stoked. I was super excited to see my favorite esports org that generally does really cool initiatives and really cool things starting to contribute way more into a scene that's been with me for nearly a decade at this point. 
Um, and then from then on, uh, Kadoran started growing and getting a chance to travel. And then Genesis 2, ha or not 2, Genesis 8 happened. Uh, JMook randomly got second, uh, was the mo hottest free agent in Melee. FlyQuest jumped on that, and ever since then, it's just been... I've been seeing a lot more people from FlyCord get into Melee, and that's been the absolute coolest experience um, for someone that's followed the scene for so long. Just seeing this sort of resurgence in interest from so many people has been really, really cool to see. It's it's kind of funny because it like th this game's what twenty years old now, right? Give or take. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, twenty two years old. It released in two thousand one. Th this game can drink now, which is crazy, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> it, it's funny to think like the game has always been like popular, but it's ha it's gone through like wax and wanes of like popularity, and it's just it almost feels like it's kind of on the come up again. I know there's been a lot of like. Uh, issues in the scene in the past couple of years but uh, like the popularity is actually kind of mm -hmm. skyrocketed again recently would you say oh 100 uh, percent and this is probably the most popular that melee has ever been because uh, going back for a, a real quick history lesson um when melee first started it was like a 100 person bracket was like a big deal and it was like a big thing and mm. now a 100 man bracket is like a regional that happens once a month yeah um and then wow the game kind of died a little bit when brawl came out its successor on the wii uh, MLG decided to stop running melee tournaments and started running the brawl circuit instead. Uh, and when melee was on its absolute last legs, um, Evo 2013 had its last game on its um, main uh, roster. Uh, was up to community vote, whichever community raised the most money for a charity cancer drive uh, would be the last game added and invited. Uh, melee ended up winning the drive, um, but Nintendo put an immediate cease and desist on that as soon as they saw the result. There was genuinely mainstream backlash from that of everyone mm -hmm. like kotaku articles social media outrage genuinely it was such an incredible frustration uh that nintendo backed off about as soon as they put out the season desist and ever <laughs> since then it's just been this uphill uh climb for this community of going mm -hmm. places that really i don't think anyone had ever expected um because we had several global tournaments since then like smash world tour rest in peace um, Panda <laughs> Cup for all the controversy that came with that. Uh, but this game has truly transcended uh, country borders and has become almost like it, it's one of the few like truly global esports out there, it feels like. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's just absolutely incredible to me that I've. I don't watch a lot of just the small uh, melee tournaments, but I have watched. A lot of like Genesis and Evo back when Melee was at Evo regularly. Um, a lot of the you know important majors. I usually am paying attention to who's winning and uh, try to catch top eights when I can. And what's amazing to me is that in the last few years, I I feel like between like 2015 and 2020, there was just the same cast of characters rotating in and out you know you had your armadas uh you know hungry box was there for a long time mango for a long time as well uh, and they were just the mainstay guys that you would see making those top you know top threes top fours and you would have a couple others here and there um mm -hmm. but now it really feels like in the last three years <laughs> i mean honestly <laughs> i hate to say this since COVID, <laughs> um, we there's just been a resurgence in the online community, which really I think you can attribute to stuff like the Slippy system, 
I think mm-hmm. um, just there actually being a legitimate way to play online uh, versus other people instead of having to go to you know your friend's house or go to a gaming center and play other people you know online or in in person mm-hmm. and no, I- na- now you've got all these new names coming in you've got Zane you've got uh, Jay Mook you know Kadorin Cody Schwab like all these guys who are like now really coming up um, and they've supplanted all those big names. I mean, Mango didn't make top eight at uh, Battle of BC, which we'll get into. Uh, Hbox dropped out. Uh, top eight, you know, right? You uh, know, seventh. Seventh. He lost to seventh. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah, yeah. It, it's just on- so good to see. And on that point that you brought up, um, Zane was like the first one of like this newer gen. Uh, to really like break in through that glass ceiling, uh, and ever since him, like really, like he said, the uh, the COVID online era, uh, partially because it was one of the few fighting games with actual rollback functioning netcode, and partially because um, it was like easier than ever to get into melee. We've seen so many more people have like an actual genuine interest in it. And it's been so cool to see guys like Jmook who had previously just been like local heroes. You know, he goes to all mm-hmm. of his like local 20, 30 man brackets, wins them all, but like never does like major travel. Right. To suddenly second at Genesis, losing only to Zane, who is the best player in the world, like two years running. Right. So they, those kind of stories hadn't really happened before ever. So it was so cool to start seeing kind of like this, like you're saying, this new gen uh, come in in this more recent time. Yeah. Could you answer maybe a question for me? So, like, when you say a player is, like, being regarded as best in the world, I know that there are, uh, like, the SSBM ranks and the Panda Global ranks, but generally, in your opinion, how does, you know, does the community subscribe to one or both of those as, like, the official ranking, or uh, does the community generally have their own perception? How, how does the community go about that? So, it used to be... For like the top fifty and more, so the, like the top ten, uh, it used to be the melee on me rankings was like the more or less the bible. Like, as someone as soon as that got published, is like, okay, here's your seating, here is your top ten for at least the next like three months, and then after that point, whatever. Um, but for a very long time, uh, it was just like, okay, Mango's entering this tournament, he's gonna win. Armada is entering this tournament, he's gonna win. And especially when Armada was on his like reign of terror, um, <laughs> it, it was so hard to like argue against him and then it became hbox and then it, there was this kind of like power gap where no one was really like uh, securing that top spot mm. but now it's just like the um whatever the global melee ranking is right now that's pretty much just universally seen as like the uh top guy the top five but mm. it's much tighter than it ever has been like on any given day there, there was like six guys seven guys at battle of bc that realistically could have won and no one would have been surprised. Yeah. Which is almost unheard of for Melee. Yeah, literally, I mean, like, Hungrybox, Leffen, Jmook, Zane, Amsa, Cody Schwab, S2J even. Like, all all mm-hmm. seven of those guys looked absolutely cracked in their sets. Yeah. Yeah, and Mango didn't even make top eight. And he's also a guy that you have to put hella respect on. Right. So it's, like, it's just an insane, like, level of competition that everything has gotten to now. Yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing that... And, and it's just great to see a game have such a long-lasting longevity that, I mean, I just repeated myself there, but 
in in an esports ecosystem where games just kind of like turn over and die really fast i mean everyone thought that fortnite was going to be the biggest esport for the next decade to come i don't really see that happening anymore overwatch league kind of done and dusted uh pubg had its moment not really happening i mean a lot of those battle royale games not really you know mm-hmm. big not esport friendly yeah not yeah not really esport friendly but fighting games managed to just consistently outlast everything and i mean you can say like hey okay new iterations of each game come out a new street fighter a new tekken uh you know new smash you know whenever ultimate gets replaced i'm sure there'll be you know ultimate will die off but melee is really the one that has never been supplanted by a sequel and somehow has maintained interest and recruited in new players year after year after year. And I I think it's just an absolutely Mm -hmm. amazing story. So let's get into, I think, uh, Battle of BC5. Nox, unless, Nox, you had anything else you wanted to talk about first. Uh, I'll be honest. Like I, I, I'm just chiming in here and there on things I actually yeah, yeah. do know about. So by the way, by all means, y'all lead the way. And if I actually know something or I think I want to add something, I'll just chime in. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, so this is officially now the Dean episode where you're gonna hear me talk for the next 45 minutes uninterrupted. You get uh, the monologue down. now. You get the so strap down, boys monologues. and girls. It's time. Uh, <laughs> so the the first like major thing with Battle of BC was like. Uh, yes, Ultimate was also there. Melee was also there. Um, but it really was, like... When, when I looked at the, the schedule, I was almost surprised to see that it went Ultimate Top f- 24 into Ultimate Top 8, and then Melee closed out the day. Um, but I think that's also just reaffirmation. Like, yeah, even when you have, like, these tournaments where Ultimate does technically get more entrance, uh, Melee storyline is just always, always bigger, always more impressive. And this was definitely a Top 8 for... Maybe the ages, honestly, with how insane it went. Um, starting off in losers round one, uh, Leffen versus Hbox, one of the most insane series I've ever watched in like the last five years. That set was nutty. Holy shit! What a t- what a best of five. Like if, if you want to show any of your friends like a set to get them into being a spectator for melee, show them Leffen Hbox, because yeah, like absolutely. just when you think just when you think Leffen's gonna three zero Hbox. He gets clutch boxed and then loses the next game and then goes last stock, last hit, and you don't know what's going to happen. And it's it's just the most like high-level melee, and that was for seventh. And then happening and it's interesting, them. Go ahead, go like, ahead. Don't, don't, don't they have a lot of history, too? Like, didn't Leffen have a whole like thing at like Ludwig's Invitational where he was like, he can't be doing this kind of crap. He can't be just floating around playing defense the whole match or whatever. Or is there more to that yeah. story or not? There's been a whole lot between Leffen and Hbox. Um, like, generally, they're like as people, they're like pretty chill with each other. But when it comes to as competitors, like it is at each other's throats. Uh, okay. Leffen has been complaining about Hbox's playstyle for a very long time, uh, basically since Evo 2016 when uh, Hbox <laughs> reset the bracket game game ten against Armada. Um, just and a just casual like, seven years. Yeah, you know, just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and it's just been like Leffen complaining that Hbox plays super slow and plays super uh, campy and has the least execution heavy character in the game while he's playing everyone's favorite honest top tier Fox. Uh, and then Hbox is like, dude, you literally play the best character in the game. I'm trying to hang on for dear life here. 
and then they're just like consistently like I don't know, just bloodthirsty rivalry. But as like as people, my understanding is that they're like okay with each other. Okay, like they're both f- first to defend melee on the front lines, um, just because how much they love the game. They're passionate. They're passionate yeah. people. Yeah, they're passionate competitors. All right. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Uh, and then across from uh, those two in the latest chapter of their uh, blood feud uh, was S2J versus Triff. Um, it was the 3-0, but it was the closest 3-0 you'll ever see. Uh, Falcon-Peach is not a super common matchup. Um, and that's just like another note. There was seven unique characters in this top eight. That did and... stand out to me. The uh, I had not watched Triff play before. Um, mm-hmm. And I was really, I was like, oh, he's playing Peach. Like, I am not yeah. used to seeing a Peach make a top eight. Yeah, the only other one doing it right now consistently is Lod, uh, but this was definitely an upset for Triff to get here, because uh, pulling up the bracket, uh, he had to play through uh, a few sets and losers, um, played against uh, Forest 3-0, Elliot 3-0, Zuppy 3-1, Axe 3-2, and Sunse 3-1 uh, from top 24 loser side to even make top 8, so, and that's like, you know, Axe and Sunsei are some names that people might recognize. The best Pikachu of all time. And then this huge up-and-coming Canadian uh, Fox player. So, just, like, he had to go on an insane run. And even though he got 3-0'd by S2J, he kept it insanely close. So, that's a very impressive run from him by all accounts. Definitely. Um, real quick, not to take away from the tournament, but the something I've wondered for a little bit now in watching recent Melee is... Like I mentioned, when I was watching like that 2015 to 2020 era, I felt like a, almost everybody, like you had a lot of like Fox Dittos, Falco Dittos, Fox Falco matchups. It felt like those characters and a couple others maybe were just universally seen as like the ones to play. Of course, you had HBox playing the Puff, um, but it feels like now you've got such a wide variety of characters. That people brought out. You've got Jamuk on the Sheik. Amsa was playing Yoshi. Uh, you know, you've got Kodo and Zane who play Marth now. Um, you know, like we just said, there was the Peach in the top eight. So, has there been like a a shift in the meta, I guess? Uh, bringing in different characters that maybe people overlooked previously. Has this been like a recent shift or like gradual over time? How would you... So, so this that. is also kind of a side effect of the quarantine era where uh, we had people that on the Slippy Unranked, they were just like screwing around and you had Leffen that'd be like, oh, I'm going to win this European online tournament with Mewtwo. And then he'd do it. And then people are like, oh, wait, Mewtwo kind of has sauce. And then Zane had his uh, Don't Test Me Roy arc where he picked a bad character and won multiple tournaments. And if <laughs> it was a different person, it would have also been top 10 in the world. Uh, you have Amsa, who's historically played Yoshi ever since 2013. Uh, Axe, of course, who's been rocking it for just about as long on Pikachu. Uh, but this is like, you know, there's been some Donkey Kongs that have been popping up in bracket. And Donkey Kong has not been historically seen as a good character. Uh, this is like, kind of, to put it in League of Legends terms for some of the regulars in the show, it'd be like if all of a sudden someone decided to lock in Zed or, like, lock in Vayne in MSI Finals, you know? It's something that you don't see because it's not <laughs> Who great. Who would ever do that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just just doing something wacky, and then it <laughs> works, kind of. So so if Elk won that game. Right. Uh, but it's just, like, 
this has been like the most character diverse time period in melee not because the tier list doesn't matter anymore it still definitely does um but the people that are making these uh these runs aren't as limited by their character now and it's more so just like they have so much experience with what their characters can do and they're like yeah. these little coalitions of donkey kong players hiding in the shadows that are discovering the dark tech and starting the year of 20 dk and it's just this insane <laughs> it's just this insane era that's been rising um and part of that we saw on the winter semifinals with uh jmook versus amsa in um those two these two always have incredible banger sets yeah like they've every single one of them that i've watched has been insane and uh even though jmook like started off the year in 2022 super hot amsa kind of became melee's player of the year after he won uh the big house with yoshi which is the best like surprise tournament result a low tier has ever gotten in like any fighting game ever like the only other one that comes close is uh i want to say rongshu mm -hmm. uh in tekken winning tekken world tour with uh, panda with panda so, i that's one of the only characters that i know from tekken he won with panda yeah he, he won with panda he he took the worst character in the game said nah i'm gonna do this and then won <laughs> that's um, actually sick yeah it's awesome i love rongchu uh but yeah amsa 3-1 over jmook um it was kind of an unfortunate as like a jmook fan uh but it was again every single game was incredibly close and just watching that it just looked like amsa He's just so comfortable against Sheik now, which is not something that's been historically true mm. at all. Um, and then the other winners, winner's semifinal match was Cody Schwab versus Zayn. Man, what a best of five. <laughs> yeah. That one really, was really cracked. Mm. Yeah, uh, no, that's... Go, no, ahead, go ahead. No, you, please. No, you. Go, Sandy. You. Uh, no, go. I was just going to talk about that because um, I am pulling up the bracket right now um talk to me a little bit about the yeah that cody schwab versus zane matchup um because you have the three two um mm -hmm. and then later uh of course cody schwab runs it back against zane and three twos him um yeah um so you've got so... a couple because you have a couple instances where um you know you and this kind of goes into what I wanted to ask you about a little bit was map choice. Um, you know, you really see the same four maps, Battlefield, Final Destination, Dreamland, Pokemon Stadium are usually like the rotation, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I thought it was really interesting in that first, uh, that first uh, three, two, the one that Zane won where uh, Zane went with, uh, FD for game two, and then Cody Schwab loses on the Dreamland pick and then runs it back on Dreamland. Uh, mm -hmm. so like, maybe if you could go into kind of like that Dreamland choice, and yeah, was there another um, option for him to, instead of running it back, or was that probably so his he, best option? He could have gone Fountain. Um, okay, yeah. He, he could have gone Fountain, but I think that Dreamland is just a little bit... It, it's super, like, dependent now, because stages in Melee matter more than almost any other game out there. Mm -hmm. um, I think his thought process was probably... I like having more space to run around, and it's way harder for Marth to kill on 
uh, uh, Dreamland. Because you saw both games. Because last stock, he was at 170 plus percent, which is Fox is light. He doesn't live to 170 plus percent on any other stage consistently. So that was um, partially him taking advantage of one of Marth's uh, more weaknesses as a character. Like it's been the uh, the joke is Marthritis, uh, where he'll either kill you at 20 uh, or not until 220. Yeah. Um, so I think that was probably his thought process there. And then I wasn't able to catch the uh, the reset live because uh, I had to go to sleep in time for work. Um, but that was just going over the stages again. Give me one second. Uh, looks like... Um, so they... Yeah, so... Uh, so in game four, Cody did go to Fountain. Um yeah, after being down at he so uh, he, two one, yep. So he yeah, he picked Dreamland and won that. Uh mm -hmm. lost on F D and then yeah, went to Fountain and then Zane went to Stadium. But yeah. he won on that one. So so that's an example then of a set where it um like Battlefield is generally seen as fairly even uh, in this matchup. Then but uh yeah, Dreamland is a little bit more Fox favor. F D has historically been super Marth favored, but Recently, some foxes have been uh, making it less so. Fountain is kind of a weird one where it's like pretty even again because both characters can cheese each other super well. And then PS1 is like the, the closest thing to like a truly neutral stage that exists right now. Uh, and that's true in both uh, Smash games right now, Ult and uh, Melee, where Pokemon Stadium is like the go-to stage. Uh, but just looking at this real quick again, it was like, you know, in the first set, Zane almost four-stocked Cody on PS1. And then game five, uh, the, re the second set, Cody almost four-stocks Zane on PS1. Just kind of a... No. Showing how like volatile like the whole set adaptation can be. So for, for a noob like me, by the way, ex explain how map picks work. Is it just like the lower seed gets to pick their map first or the winner gets to pick their map first and then they alternate or is it always like, so how, how does so that not, work exactly? I'm not as familiar with how it is in melee. I think in melee you get one stage ban when you win. So, okay, you're not allowed to go to this stage. Um, and then your opponent can pick from any of the others to go to. Okay. Um, but I know that it's it's different in Ultimate, which I'm much more familiar with, because um, it didn't feel like either of the traditional stage clauses were in effect for this tournament, and there were just a, any stage, but you can't go back to the last stage that you won on, or any stage that you've won on in the set. Gotcha. Okay, okay, okay. That, that makes yeah. sense, then. Yeah, that would be my guess, but I'd have to look at the full rule set in better depth to give a better answer. I, I always just kind of figured it was somewhat similar to, like, League, where it's like, hey, you, you lost, so you now get to pick the next map you want to go to. But I guess the, the band system makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty similar to that if you want to use that as, like, your frame of reference for it. Gotcha. Um, I mean, that's the only frame of reference that we do have, I mean, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, if you lose nerds. the game, Yeah, if you lose the game, you should get, like, some kind of, like, okay, now the next game's on your terms, uh, right, with right. an asterisk, because... No, you don't get to go here, but anywhere else is fine. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, like, getting into rest of the bracket. So then, so AMSA beats J-Mook. Zane wins the 3-2. Uh, and then AMSA dominated winner's final. 3-0. Um, I remember watching this, and it just, like, 
it just felt it didn't feel close like Amsa just mm. felt like he had Zane downloaded um, yeah and Zane and, even and went back to back stadium uh, in games two and three and, and that has been a very recent development because uh, for a very long time Amsa struggled against Marth um, but he'd recently it seems like he super recently figured it out and against Zane specifically but also against Kadorin like he's just he, he's he's found the Krabby Patty secret formula and is just not losing to Zane anymore ever again which has been a crazy development in this like meta so uh, out of curiosity how closely do you follow uh, Kadorin on social media uh, I am followed I follow him on Twitter I am not um, his, his tweets don't pop up in my feed because Elon hates me <laughs> oh no um well part of the reason why it's funny that you bring that up because uh some of the things i noticed is that one of his practice partners that often pops up it's not like a reoccurring one that often but like he's one of his go-to's is amsa like Kadorn scrims amsa a lot so i kind of i'm assuming that's kind of where amsa picked up the ability to actually be able to fight marth better now is kind of from Kadorn, and i'm sure he has other practice partners mm -hmm. too to figure it out as well but uh, I, I kind of wonder if that's where it kind of came from a little bit, being scrim partners with uh, Kadoran. And that would make a lot of sense, too, because, like, Kadoran is the second best Marth in the world, and after him and Zane, there is a noticeable falloff. Uh, so if you're Amsa and you want to learn some of these problematic matchups, you're not going to get much better than second best Marth in the world. So that would make a lot of sense, yeah. Okay. How, um, how important is kind of the practice meta, do you think? Do you... Do you, is it more common for players to keep their, I mean, we'll call them scrims just for the sake of easy translation between league and melee, um, to keep their scrims limited to like a circle of like, you know, two or three partners or are they just playing like anyone? Cause I will note sometimes at events, I'll just see a player tweet like, Hey, <laughs> Is there anyone at the venue who plays Pikachu? <laughs> I need to yeah. play. I need to play a Pikachu really quick because then it so, sounds like to me like they've never played against a Pikachu in their life. They have no idea how that character works, and they now really need to quickly download what those moves are. So it's actually really funny that you bring up Pikachu specifically because uh, Zane uh, very famously has struggled against Axe, the number one Pikachu in the world. Uh, and he has, like, his circle of people that he consistently practices with, you know, uh, was Bobby Big Balls for a while, now is Cody Schwab, uh, Mango a lot, you know, it's a lot more of those guys. Uh, but I want to say it was at the most recent Melee Summit, the last Melee Summit, uh, Tyler Swift, uh, the number two Pikachu, was invited. And Zane said, Ayo, Tyler, you're sitting here. We are grinding matches and scrims against each other for the next three <laughs> hours to lead up to my set against Axe. And then it was the first set Zane had ever taken against Axe. So That's in that funny. specific instance, <laughs> like learning the Pikachu matchup by going out of your circle was super relevant. Uh, but for the most part, it's generally like, here's my three guys. Cause these are like, you know, uh, the guys that know how to punish my bad habits the best. Um, but more and more that started to change uh, as people are trying to learn more of these like problem matchups. Although I will say it is more noticeable for uh, these like, low tier heroes um, more so than uh your guys that just play like fox and falcon right yeah it's fun it almost sounds like uh, 
somewhere in the background you have like acts like trying to pay off tyler like please stop screaming him please stop screaming him. like what what do i need to do how much money you need just please stop screaming him <laughs> that's, that's what it felt like and the set still went three to two like it was still like a last game situation um that's wild. but yeah like it's it's definitely been paying off for amsa and you can tell he's been on an absolute tear these last couple of years um and then while he was sitting pretty on the winner's side, uh, loser's bracket, Cody Schwab, 3-1 over S2J. J-Mook, 3-1 over Leffen. Um, that, to me, it wasn't super surprising. Like, Leffen is still, like, a fantastic player, clearly. Uh, but J-Mook just, like, from game one, just read his soul and knew exactly what he wanted to do. And uh, I just kind of, like... Hang on real quick. I think my OBS just disconnected randomly. But I'm still oh, no. talking to you guys, so... What the Yeah, hell? no, the, stream, the stream's frozen. Uh, oh, nice. Shoot. I don't know what happened. Uh-oh. Did you just drop frames? My, my, or? No, my internet's fine. Um, oh, it just yeah, like off, popped off. Yeah, stream's offline. Oh. Oh. Yeah, okay, now it's re OBS reconnected. Um, all right, hang on. That's cool. weird. So we should come back any second. Well, for our podcast right, listeners, we you can... Right, well, like maybe we Sandy are... will edit it out, but... <laughs> looks like... No, leave back. it in. Le leave it in. Um, leave the scuff in. Right, re fresh uh sorry folks obs decided to just randomly disconnect uh from stream uh even though the rest of my internet was completely fine so i can't tell you what happened there um uh obs hates sandy as much as elon hates me yeah I mean, uh that's that's, that's what happened there that's basically the issue um all right dean sorry if you could just go back like rewind 30 seconds yeah, uh, so Amsa 3 0 Zane sitting pretty in Winterside Grand Finals. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, in Losers, Cody Schwab uh, beat S2J 3 1. Uh, not really surprising. Cody is like the consistent king. He doesn't lose to people that are like heavily below him at all. Mm -hmm. um, and then J Mook over Leffen. Just looked like J Mook had the absolute download and how Leffen wanted to play. And it helps that one of his consistent practice partners is Cody. So if there's anybody that's going to just eviscerate a Fox player, it would be J Mook. Um, and then, of course, those two, being practice partners, met again in loser semis. Uh, did end up going 3-1 Cody's favor. Uh, but it's worth noting that like these two, even before JMook won uh, the most recent Genesis, had been like going even in sets with Cody. Like They're so incredibly back and forth that even though this tournament, it did go Cody's favor, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see JMook take him down the next time. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking that advanced at... Um... Into Go ahead, I'm go ahead. looking at uh, AMSA's most recent uh, placing. So, uh, second at Battle of BC5, second at Come Up 2023. Mm -hmm. um, he had he got first at DreamHack, uh, beating Axe. Um, at Major Upset, he got third. Yep. It's just like... He a He's a top tier player now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he only got thirteenth at Collision, and then but he yeah. won Level Up Expo. Um, I was gonna say Collision was a bit of a weird placement for Amsa yeah. in like these recent come up because uh, like yeah ninth place at Genesis Nine. Um, yeah, but like and both very of those consistent, were major upsets. Like, yeah, top three placements. Mm-hmm. Which shouldn't be really surprised because Amsa was uh, on the global melee ranking, uh, ranked number two overall last year, uh, only behind Zane. So yeah. that's 
you know, to see him still be this consistent is not really that surprising. Um, and it was kind of an unfortunate draw for him in the uh, grand finals because he showed that he can beat Zayn rather decisively, uh, but Cody has just had his number. Like, it's it really has not been... Like, one close set, uh, the major before Big House last year, mm -hmm. uh, but it's been Cody with a very monstrous head-to-head -head lead. Yeah. Um, so that was unfortunate for him that Cody did win 3-2 over Zayn, and then 3-1, 3-0 in Grands to win the tournament. Yeah. Uh, which is to say, awesome stuff for Cody Schwab. Really excited for FlyQuest to pick him up in a little bit. Uh, absolute <laughs> singles <laughs> and doubles cost, monster. Right? I, <laughs> singles I really and doubles king. Um, he's just... He's so good, man. He's so good. It'd, it'd be, I I really hope that someone makes an offer to him because he's just that good. He's he's really having a, a moment right now, and it's been it's been wild to see how how good he. I it was funny because when I first heard the name Cody Schwab, I was like, "Who is this guy?" And I was like, "Oh, it's IBDW." Like, I, yeah. I didn't realize he did a rebrand. Um, yep. Real quick, and, and it was it was the same like the Tigress thing uh, yeah. where he wanted it to be him his name instead of like this tag. So yeah, totally. Um, let's let's talk about FlyQuest real quick uh, in regards to this tournament. So. Jmook uh, gets down 3-1 to Amsa. And then I'm going to say, and this is just my uneducated take on it, even though he beat Leffen, it looked pretty close. Like, it did not look dominant. Um, I, I was going to say, he got saved a lot by, I don't I don't know the correct terminology or anything, but, like, Leffen messed up on, I think it was his edge guard. And basically SD'd, like, I don't think it was counted as an SD, but he basically SD'd off the stage. There were and a couple it left of SDs, him, yeah. Yeah, and it left him 1-1, and then J-Mook clutched it out from there. But, like, if he hadn't SD'd off the stage, like, I think that was going to a game five or a map five. or What, what is it? Is it map five? Uh, game, game five. five? Yeah, game five. five. It, yeah, it was going to go to a game five if he hadn't SD'd off the stage. Yeah. I, it, I felt like this was not one of the stronger tournament and one of the stronger top eights I've seen J-Mook play. Um, and, uh, like, look, at the end of the day, fourth place is still, like, very, very good. Um, I really don't want to discount that whatsoever, um, especially in such a stacked top eight. But it did feel like this was a slightly less yeah. strong performance than maybe we are used to seeing from him lately. A slightly subpar result is definitely a fair analysis of the statement. Like, watching it back just real quick, uh, he didn't look, like, as strong as he did during either Collision or Genesis, of course. Um, but still, like, watching it back, it's, like, through my ultimate eyes, more so than my trained melee eyes, it was, like, watching, like, the number one in your region, like, yeah, he'll go down a game, yeah, he'll lose a couple stocks, but it's still, like, feels like he's kind of playing with them a little bit, almost. And then he gets three stocks, and then he wakes up a little bit more. So it's like, yeah, like it was last stock situation, game four. But it's like, he nailed all of his confirms. And it never really felt like he was losing neutral that often to me, watching the yeah. set. Um, so so. For, for a noob like me, explain losing neutral. Okay, so neutral is like the state of the game where both players might be like moving around, but they're not hitting each other. There's like trying to like get in, get that first hit, and then try to build their combos from there. Once a player okay. like quote wins neutral, that's when they've gotten some kind of a hit or some kind of a grab. Then they push into advantage state, which is you're in my combo, uh, you're in a disadvantageous situation. I'm getting all my damage. I'm taking your stock. 
Um, okay, so basically, so, like, creating a window for yourself. Yeah, like, it's... Th okay. Think of it as, like, really good macro or, like, getting a solo kill uh, where it's like, oh, you have four men bot? Cool, we're gonna sneak Baron. That That's kind of what it, it feels like in... Okay, okay, okay. Like, that makes a lot of sense, then. Yeah. Um, so, 3-1, not as close as I've seen other 3-1s, but still, like, a very, very... Um, tense sets for sure. Right, for sure. Um, and then, of course, the ensuing drop after uh, the 3-1 to Cody Schwab, who, as we know, mm -hmm. uh, would go on to win. And then this one, so J-Mook starts off strong, uh, does get the win on Battlefield, um, but then Cody wins on FD, and J-Mook goes for Fountain twice in a row, does not succeed. Um, yeah, uh, the and fountain this, and pick... this, and and I was I was struggling to decide if this was just Cody was so good on the day, or if it was J Mook underperformed. And I I'm gonna go with like it was a little bit of both. Um, in my opinion, mm -hmm. I think Cody was just absolutely the dominant player on the day because you can just see that through the rest of the bracket. Um, yeah, but yeah, talk to me about kind of yeah the going to Fountain. Uh, and then so, sticking with it even uh, after. So I think Fountain, I think Fountain very historically has been one of Sheik's better stages. Uh, she doesn't really get like as messed up by the platforms. Like the for anyone who doesn't know, Fountain Fountain of Dreams, uh, this two side platforms kind of resemble like Battlefield, but they'll raise and sink a little bit at kind of like it, it's not random, but it feels random if you don't know the timings. Um, Sheik doesn't really get messed up by it as much as you would think with. Uh, from like an outsider perspective, mm -hmm. it's historically been one of Sheik's better stages because it's it's a little bit bigger and the side blast zones where you get your opponent to die are closer to the main stage, so she doesn't have to work as hard to get her kills. Um, but it just felt like yeah, on like standard deviation, Cody was playing at like an, a nine or a ten, Jane Book was playing at like an eight. So yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, nine's greater than eight. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it was super, super close. And, like, you could tell after watching, like, there was no blood blood whatsoever between them. Like, it was just a very, ah, oh, you got me there. Uh, move on. We go next. I got you next time. <laughs> just, yeah. They are doubles buddies, to be fair. I'm sure they're really, really good friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, like, that's something that they both, like, talked about a little bit on, like, their uh, streams and social media, too. How it's, like, Cody was saying, like, you yeah, know, uh, when J. Mook was on the come up, randomly i told everyone hey yo, keep an eye on this guy he's legit and then he got second at genesis and then won genesis the next year so like he was right he warned us yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely um yeah so then three one and then cody schwab with the run back taking down zane three two and honestly the way that grand final and then the grand final reset went this loser's final almost looked like the more competitive like championship than anything else um but because just like 3-1 into 3-0 and like you have to think at some point like okay so a the, i guess the question is is the fox yoshi matchup just that imbalanced in favor of fox or you know uh like, so is it, is it that bad or was like uh, so also doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who like his mental goes boom or anything so but so y yes the matchup is that bad but amsa is so good at the matchup against anybody that isn't cody schwab 
Okay. That literally against if it had been any other Fox player, I'm betting on Amsa ten times out of ten. Interesting. I mean, he, but it's he Cody. played Sunsei and destroyed Sunsei in like the upper yeah. winners bracket. Like literally yeah. three stocked him, lost two stocked him, two stocked him. Yeah, it's like it's just Cody that seems to be the problem for Amsa. So I, th I think it's just like the playstyle thing, where it's like for whatever reason this playstyle just works so well against Amsa. And it's just like you know, Cody is Cody is him. He is that good. <laughs> he is the moment. Um, yeah, uh, but he, you know, he looked. Cody just looked yeah, he... so so freaking good. Um, I, I don't. So I did not watch any of Kadoran's matchups, but it is important to me to just touch on, on him, and I'm pulling up his. Uh, so with, with yeah. winner's bracket, and, he initially immediately had to start off playing against Amsa, lost 3-1, dropped down mm -hmm. the lower bracket, uh, ran into Max, proceeded to 3-0 Max, and then he ran into Moki, who is a on the a, come up. A, a fox a, yeah. a fox player. Mo yeah, and Moki's yeah. on the come up from what I've heard. Uh, uh, he ended up losing in a game five. Yeah, Moki is, uh, I believe, also beat Zane at Genesis, if I'm remembering that right. So very well practiced in the Marth matchup. Mm -hmm. um, also one of Zane's practice partners. So uh, clearly very very comfortable. And like props to Kadorn for keeping it close because like Moki was a guy that a lot of people had pegged to potentially win the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you can see getting upset on the winner side there by uh, soon say three to two. Uh, if that didn't happen, then maybe he's in winner side top eight. But like to say that Moki was on the come up is absolutely true. But he's a name that's been around for a very long time. So. It, I feel bad for Kadoran because it's like he always gets like the shit luck in the polls and bracket mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, this dude got upset by someone that normally he doesn't ever lose to. Now you have to play Kadoran. Like, my guy, <laughs> you just cannot catch a break. Yeah. And, and it sucks because like coming out of quarantine, he was one of the names that was was grinding. He was running the training mode Tuesdays super consistently and he was yep. like owning that bracket for free. Uh, and then he comes off like back onto his local scene and is just so on top of everything is yeah. a consistent threat in top 16, but it's just, it, it feels like he's consistently being robbed of like that breakout tournament. And, and it's, I'm waiting for it to happen because I think that he is, I think he's at that level. Uh, maybe just needs like one more push through. And you really saw that last year at redemption rumble where he beat Cody Schwab, got second and then lost uh, game five bracket reset to Aklo Link, which who the hell has Link practice? So it's like, <laughs> wait, he lost to a, a Link? Is yeah, that even so, a <laughs> so Aklo? Aklo is a player uh, who plays Fox and Link, right? Uh, his Fox is really really good. Don't get me wrong, but he counterpicks Link into the Marth matchup because he'd rather play that, and it works. Huh. Interesting. That's crazy, actually, because I don't think I've ever seen a Link play competitive period, ever. It's He's the only one in the world. There's no other Link that does anything. Th there are Young Links that do things. Like, Young Link was famously our modest counterpick into Hungrybox in, like, early Melee. Uh, but, yeah, no, he's the only Link that has ever done it at this level. And it's insane that he won a tournament with it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I'm but, just uh, looking at... I'm, I'm looking at the rest of the... Because it's not like Kadoran had, like, a... Like, like, he struggled on the way to this, you know, he rolled through pools, didn't drop a set. Yeah, dropped 3-1 to Amsa, but Amsa was obviously absolutely crushing. He beat Max 3-0, and then, yeah, just the 3-2 uh, to Moki, um, you know, it's just unfortunate. But, yeah, I think just running into 
running into another player, like, you know, yeah, you put him, if the bracket falls and he's playing against, like, an Aklo, a Josh Man, Polo, mm -hmm. Axe, yeah. Trip. Both of those definitely, SGJ, like, no uh, disrespect definitely those guys, feel like better like polls for him in the loser's bracket. Guys. Um, and make it on to and that's not even to say that like I think that he's like can't win against those guys. It's just I think eight, that is a know? better pull for him for sure. Okay, now my oh. internet has. Okay, is, no, is Sandy is right, Sandy uh, frozen frozen or is he just on my end? Uh, I, I think I think he did pause. Hold on. Can you hear us, uh, Sandy? The stream's still going. I was gonna say that. No, you're good. You're good. We're here. We're here. We're here. Okay, we're back. Oh, thank God. All right. <laughs> Wow. He just hates you tonight. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Oh, and stream's offline again. You yeah. still there, Sandy? I'm still there. Okay. Is are... just OBS acting up? Well, I I mildly lost you guys on Discord for a second there. So I was going to say, oh, okay. I, I lost you for sure. And then when I saw you cut out, I'm like, ah, better fill for time. So I don't know if that was, like, universal or not. I'll, I'll be right, honest. Right. I always, I, I don't ever watch via Discord. I always just watch via the stream, so that way I can like read chat at the same time. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. All yeah, right, well, I'm looks like, like the looks like we're back up on the uh, stream. So I was gonna All say right, I'm seeing again, the stream folks. still. Hello, folks. We are sorry for our technical difficulties. Yeah. Um. All right. Cool. You you get to deal with our uh, NA production, Dean. How how is it? NA more uh, like more like NA internet right now. So. Uh, not applicable internet. That feels very awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> th this is also, I just tabbed into the stream real quick to check it. Uh, I just noticed that, uh, you're playing League of Legends on the Melee podcast. Oh, shoot. What oh. the hell, man? What the hell, man? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Come on. All right. We fixed. We're fixed. All right. We've got the right, we've got the right topic now. Awesome. Uh, but, and we're but yeah, no. Again. All right, Did it really. We're we're not off. Uh, no, we're I'm it, fine. Yeah, that's because it's still good okay. on my end. It's good yeah. on my end. Okay, it's all good I'll, here. I'll refresh on my end again. Okay, we're good. All right. All right. Where uh, are we? <laughs> uh, we were talking about uh, we're Battle of BC it. bracket, uh, and how Kadoran is the unluckiest man alive, yes. which sucks because he's really really good, and everybody. I feel like everyone just needs to get the FlyQuest Spirit Bomb, and like. Give it to Ghidorin as well, so that he can get good luck for a bracket and not have like Moki getting upset and then having to play Moki in losers. Right. You know. Yeah. So, I, what what's the next big big tournament coming up that you think both of the FlyQuest guys should be at? Yeah. So I just uh, saved it here. Um, the next ones that JMook are going to be at, and a lot of these are also going to be attended by Ghidorin as well. Uh, tipped off Wave Dash CEO Fete Three and Gommel. Uh, Gommel, for sure, is going to be the big one to watch. Uh, Get on my level has been, like, the, like, summer super major for a very long time. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and I expect everyone to come out to that one as well uh, to bring, like, their absolute, like, A games. Okay. So I, I, it's just, it's always interesting because, and I'm just reading social media and whatnot, right? But, like, Kudoran kind of disappeared on social media for a little bit. And then he came back a couple days before this tournament and was just like, 
all right, I've been practicing really hard. I feel really, really good. And then it's just, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, he has really tough matchups, and he just doesn't quite get, like, he, I feel bad for him because, like, every time he hops on social media, he's like, man, I just didn't achieve the goals that I wanted. And it's just like, oh, man, what what do you need to do? Like, like, would would you, a uh, non-melee pro, have any advice for Kadoran on what to do to push past this (laughs) theoretical ceiling that he can't seem to get through? So whatever, like, in my head the, the ceiling is, to me, it doesn't feel like it's a mental block. I think he has an awesome mental. I don't feel like it's matchups because I think he gets the practice in the matchups. I think he's such a young player. Like, even looking at, like, his history against, like, JMook. JMook has been attending stuff since, like, 2015. Uh, Kadoran has only, like, started attending, like, big tournaments in, like, 2020, right before uh, the world exploded. So, like, he's still, like, so new to, like, attending a lot of these, like, big in-person super majors that I think he just needs to keep going to stuff. Because, like, he's he's shown that he has the skill. He's very clearly, like, done it before. But, like, now maybe he's just getting gassed playing friendlies against people. Maybe he's just, like, you know, in the moment has the stage nerves he needs to shake off. Whatever it is, I think he just needs to just keep doing the reps because he's, like... Yeah, whatever that mental ceiling is, it will break if he just keeps going to stuff. So, so really, it just comes down to experience diff, you think? Yeah, I, I think that that's the best way to put it. Uh, he definitely feels like, comparing his play style, uh, he feels very much like a more of a Mewtwo King style Marth, uh, which is very like very explosive, right? Like more so than Zane. Like I get my one hit, you are dying. It doesn't matter where on the stage you are, you are your life is mine. And it will be a by my blade, um, so that's I think that play style works very very well in these like big super majors uh, if you have like the hands and the nerves to do it, and that's just what he needs to keep doing from the opinion of a non melee professional. Okay, so basically, I'm just to maybe put some good feels out there. End end of 2023, beginning of 2024. Like, he's constantly a top 10 player and constantly being a threat to win the tournament at any point? I can see it. Um, I think he, he needs to continue to go to stuff, but I could absolutely see that timeline. Um, okay. And even, like, in his losses, like, he took a game off of Amsa, which isn't something that uh, Zane did, and then he lost 3-2 to Moki. So, like, it was right there. It just barely escaped his fingertips. Like, he's so close to being, like, that consistent top 10, consistent, like, top 8 threat. It's just like that one last push, and then I think he'll be there. Well, it's good to hear that like it's not just him being stuck. It sounds like he's just on his way there, and he's just not there yet. Then, yeah, de- definitely like a part of the road trip, part of the journey you got to get through to reach the destination. Cool. Nice. Uh, I was gonna say, you have any others, Sandy? I don't have any other Smash stuff, uh, which I think is um, a perfect time. Uh, to ask Dean if he's got any final uh, melee thoughts before we transition to our last non-Smash topic of the evening. So nothing really else for melee. I think that this tournament is a very good like precursor for how the rest of the summer is going to be and a lot of uh, narratives are being set up. But I do want to real quick uh, shout out the Ultimate Top 8. Um, mm. It was a lot of like Japan versus Mexico was like the big ice, uh, things to keep your eye on. Uh, but Another name to keep your eye on from that event was Zamba, uh, who is currently an unranked, um, not an unranked player, pardon me, uh, currently a a top 50 player uh, that is unsponsored. So I know that there's been, like, a lot of people in Flycord, mostly me, uh, trying to say, like, hey, yo, (laughs) 
Ayo, FlyQuest should pick up this guy. I think especially after Battle of BC, Zamba should be in the talks for being like the guy. Because uh, like his social media, like he's he's a kid, but he's not like super uh, immature on socials. It feels like he's got a pretty decent head on his shoulders. Uh, and he has the gameplay to do it. He 3-0'd Tweak, which is like roughly equal to uh, beating Mango. So okay. like, so like that's a huge result for him. And like first uh, top eight in a, quite a while uh, was one that was this incredibly stacked. Like it'd be, I would be surprised if somebody doesn't make an offer. And I would like it to be FlyQuest. Yeah, I think that'd so, be yeah. absolutely incredible. I, I, I think uh, it's public enough that we can say that Nick has definitely been watching Ultimate a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what the plans are or anything, but, like, it's something that he's kept an eye on. So I wouldn't say it's, like, out of the out of this world of possibilities or anything, but I, I, I truly don't know how interested he is. I just know, I bet you anything, Nick's eyeballed Zomba at some point or another. Yeah, I would absolutely be surprised if he hadn't. Uh, like, this is a kid that has a massive, like, potential upside, so... Uh, very excited to see his future as well. Um, yeah. Dope. <laughs> all right. Well, we have ignored it all night, but I think it is time to wrap up MSI just a little bit. Uh, JDG, 3-1 over BLG. Uh, after BLG did go on a bit of a miracle run, 3-0 uh, over Gen G, 3-0 over T1, uh, but then they did fall short. DRX uh, Part 2 Chinese Boogaloo did not occur. Um, but JDG, dominant all the way through. Golden Guardians, BLG, T1, and then BLG again. Um, uh, you know, it, it's always interesting to see how later results at Worlds reflect... Uh, MSI, and I'll be very interested to see this. Will um, Korea be able to bounce back uh, as they always seem to be able to to do at Worlds? Uh, they just seem to be even stronger by summer. End of summer, I mean. Um, and then, for my part, one thing I just want to ask you guys in general, I, I'm walking away from this tournament you know, as a North American fan, I forget about EU. I don't really care about EU. Um, I'm walking away from this tournament like, hey, this was not bad. Um, you know, Golden Guardians took a game off of BLG. A lot of the games, like, the early games looked really good. It was just a lot of dumb Baron flips at you know, 2025 20, that cost the games a lot of the time and just mid to late game team fighting where these other teams are just so mechanically cracked, so united in their communication and playing um, where we got beat out. But I was, I was pleasantly surprised that like these weren't just complete, like absolute destructive stomps all the way through. Um, and Dean, since, uh, you are the guest. I'm going to ask you what your thoughts are first on kind of the overall takeaways from MSI for you. So I'll get the uh, the half meme point out of the way first. Uh, Licorice legitimately has a case to be the best performing top laner at the tournament, and that is insane to me. 
Zika like, Award. Possibly, like, I, like, I would argue, like in comparison to expectations for him. Yeah, yes, like, I would agree with that. Yes, like relative to expectations, and then like he looked really, really good against every other top laner they had to play against. Yeah. Like I think that he held his own against Ben, who has been pretty consistently like a top two top laner in LPL, uh, and clearly at MSI at the world. Um, and it's like my my joking like top four uh, tops was uh, was Licorice, Bin, three six nine in some order, and then Bong. Um, but it's like I, I look at how well Golden Guardians played, and I think that they play the way that North America needs to internationally because we don't have the same hands that Eastern teams do. We do weird shit, and it works. And then it's like that's how we get these early game leads, and then they just skip steps in late game which could have led to them getting more of those wins against, like, even JDG. Like, JDG said, this is not a bad team. They just messed up in, like, these couple things. So there's a lot for me to be excited about from Golden Guardians. And then I'm actually really disappointed in C9. Like, not even on, like, the, yeah. the uh, NA Copium angle. Like, I think they just, A, they played bad. But B, it feels like they became the thing that they swore to destroy. Like, they've become the top North American do-nothing-lose team. Yeah. And it's just, like, seeing what this org has done historically, like, it's so sad for me to see. Because, like, they, they were going toe-to-toe -to -toe in, like, 2017 against World Leap by picking Singed top. What do they do here? They pick, like, Kennen and do nothing. Or do side lane and do nothing. And it's like, what is... What is I see flashes of the old C9 that I, I cheered for, but I'm not seeing that consistently enough. And this team just doesn't have whatever the Eastern teams have. No, that's fair. Knox, uh, thought, your thoughts on the tournament and any responses to Dean or myself? Um, just little fun fact. This is the very first Riot-sponsored LPL versus LPL Grand Finals that we have ever had. So True! So that was kind of unique because it's been multiple years of, like, Korea versus China, Korea versus Korea, occasionally uh, China versus EU. Um <laughs> I don't think... Has there been a Korea versus EU final? I don't think there has been, right? Uh, only time was 2017 MSI, to my knowledge. 2017 uh, G2 MSI. SKT. Uh, was that... I think that was semifinals, though, wasn't it? No, that, that was finals. The semifinals was in 2019 when G2 won. Uh, oh, okay, they played okay, against okay. SKT. Yeah. Oh, and that was a 3-1, right? Uh, that was the 3-2. Semis was worlds between G2 SKT semis. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm getting a mix-up. Either way, my, my point being is, like, this is the first time we ever had an LPL-LBL final, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree on Golden Guardians. I thought they played fantastically in sense of uh, just being proactive around the map and just trying to do things. Um, Cloud9, I'll push back a little bit on this. Uh, like, I'm not, like, I am disappointed. Don't get me wrong. I am disappointed with them. However, I, I wouldn't describe what they were doing as do-nothing, a lot of the, what I was noticing was they kept trying to match teams. And I've noticed this in interviews as well, is in multiple interviews with Cloud9, they were like, in scrims, like, oh yeah, we have to catch up and we have to, ca we, we have to start matching their play styles. Uh, we have to cast, catch up to the East. And my initial, like, I kept having alarm bells go off in my head. I was like, no, 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 no. We've had this discussion before back in like 2015, 2016, back when we were getting constantly thumped by Korea over and over and over again. I was like, we cannot 
be trying to replicate the playstyles of the East. That's just not how it works. We're not good enough, and even if we were good enough, we don't have the time to try and catch up and match them on it and then be better than them at it. That's just not how that works. And so, for me, what I kept noticing with Cloud9 is a lot of the times, um, especially um, between Blabber and Fudge and Zven as well, especially, were we tried to out-team fight them. Like, this is a team fight meta, right? It's just put all your power into your AD carry and, like, buy them space. That's what you have to do. And what I kept noticing with Cloud9 is Blabber would go in or Zven would go in or Fudge would try and go in and someone else on the team was not synced up. And it was usually, even if it was only, like, a second or two later, um, like, it was never a full-on 5v5. Like, every single time Cloud9 engaged into Gen.G or BLG, both of those teams were grouped as five. They were ready to fight and, like, just end it right there on the spot. Whereas Cloud9, it was like, okay, three people went in, and they're, like, maybe, like, two or three seconds behind them, which doesn't sound like a long time, right? But in League of Legends terms, that's a very, very long time. But you had these final two people follow up, and at that point, the rest of the front line's already dead. And it's just because they didn't go all in at the same time. Cloud9 had really, really bad synergy issues, this, uh, this MSI is what I was noticing. And so hopefully what I'm hoping to see when they come back to the LCS is their their team fighting is just like when someone says go they're all going and it's not a matter of someone lagging behind afterwards and then because it's na it's like oh this person can just kind of clean it up because like against the east you're not going to get those opportunities they're going to completely just destroy your front line and because at that point it's 5v2 like you're not winning that fight so for me that was like my biggest issue with cloud nine is because i just don't think in a in na they don't get that practice of like oh hey the enemy team that you're trying to engage into like, you don't ever run into them where they're a wall of five, and you have to figure out how to outplay that 5v5. It's a lot of times, like, you take the 5v4 or the 5v3 because they're not prepped for it, or whatever the reason may be. So hopefully teams can start giving them that practice when they get back to NA. Hopefully Golden Guardians is a good scrim partner, because I bet you anything they learned how to deal with that too. Oh, 100%. Uh, I definitely kind of agree with you there. Um, and it's like, that's also part of why I'm like, I agree with you on the, uh, we've had this conversation about like how we can't match the West. That's why like, I'm so pissed off at cloud nine specifically, because this is like in 2018, like they learned real quick. Oh wait, we can't match RNG's playstyle. Fuck it. Nocturne. And then they just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they just did that. And they did the wacky bullshit and it worked. Yeah. So it's like, th- this is the team that did that for us. And now they're not. And it makes me so mad because, like, I get right. that they have to appeal to their sponsors. They have to, like, win the best of championships because that's what gets the sponsor money coming in. And that's how they can keep their roof over their head. I get it. I understand it. Still makes me mad. Uh, ironically, and I'm just poking fun at you here, but the, the, the RNG game you're referring to, the Nocturne, also had a Ken and Top. Guess what game one of versus BLG was? All right, we don't Ken need to talk about that. All right, we don't need to talk about that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that was, different, play, that was different players. It was uh, Licorice and Sven Scarred. Uh, <laughs> and, and all I'm saying is that they won that game with that duo. So uh... True, 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 true. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that, that's, about, that's about all I have for MSI. I, I think overall, very solid tournament. I enjoyed the format. Critique, we, we've already been over this, so I'm not going to really repeat it. But there could be to- uh, tournament... Uh, tweaks that could be made for the for the future but i overall really enjoyed it even as an na fan as depressing as it was only winning one game against the east and no games against europe whatsoever but that's not because we didn't we lost it's because we didn't get to play them right yeah uh yeah and i i thought there were some really good narratives uh okay last last uh league of legends question for you guys and then we'll we'll wrap up the night golden guardians 
Uh, do they run it back to finals in summer? Uh, and if not, do they at least make worlds? Or, and remember the caveat, fourth place does get you that uh, shot against EU um, to play for a the fourth a, a fourth spot at worlds from uh, your region. So uh, do they make it back to finals? And if not, do they at least make it to worlds? Nox, uh, you, get, you get the first shot at this one. They, they, they make worlds. They're not making it back to finals. FlyQuest is taking that spot, baby. I'm yes, sorry. Sir. Yes, sir. Dean. Vulcan's going to make sure. Yeah. So so they do make it to finals, but it's against FlyQuest. Ah. Uh, I respect that. I respect cause, that. Because Cl Cloud9 are going to they're gonna go up. And uh, here's my prediction. Here's my bold prediction. Uh, FlyQuest is going to lose the first match against Golden Guardians. We're going to make the losers run. Uh, C9 is going to lose to Golden Guardians in upper bracket final. And then in the lower bracket final, we're going to 3-0 C9, and then we're going to go 3-1 Golden Guardians. Mm. You know what? Sh send it, ship it. I, I love it. <laughs> that is my way too early prediction. I have not even seen these teams play. That's what's going to happen. Mark just, my words. I'm just so excited that we do at least get one. We are guaranteed, after not getting one at MSI, we are guaranteed a best of five uh, against Europe. Our number four versus their number four. And guys, I'll be honest. Europe's not good. <laughs> no, I genuinely Dude, I think that's not good anymore. They are not good. I think we win that best of five. I 100% agree. I think EU is super like they have one team and it's G2 right now. Yeah. BDS does weird shit, but they're not a good team. No, they're um, not good. They're actually it's they're absolutely what's the word? They're not not fake. Um Fraudulent. Fraudulent. Thank you. They are frauds. Uh, BDS. More like FDS. Fraud DS. So. True. Um, <laughs> no, I, I would definitely favor like whoever the fourth team from NA is. So I think everyone's going to agree. Like Cloud9, FlyQuest, Golden Guardians, some order are probably our top three before we get into summer. Yeah. If it ends up being like TL, if it ends up being like EG or whoever else, I would probably favor them against whatever the EU fourth seed is. Yeah, I, I think I that mean, we are, as a whole like, region, better. Fnatic's not going to do anything. Uh, they look at, they've look they looked garbage, and I don't think that's going to change. Um, looking at... I mean, okay, so... In EU... Like, and the thing with EU is, they're so weird. Like, SK is good. BDS is, quote-unquote... And when I say good, I'm like, in air quotes here. SK is good. BDS is good. Vitality, good. But all... Astralis is, like, good... And it's just this weird thing where, at the end of the day, all these teams go in, and then G2 comes out on top, um, you know, and then Mad Lions as well. They did win uh, the spring championship, but it's like, it's G2 and Mad for me, and then after that, like, none of the other teams excite me. Uh, yeah. It, it, like, they just really don't. It's such a top-heavy region, it feels like. And... Mm -hmm. and I feel like their format is doing them a lot of is maybe a bit of a disservice because I do like the format, but like the way the seeding gets done, you know, through this like initial single round robin, um, it just feels so inaccurate to me uh, for some reason. I I don't know. That that's just my take right now. Maybe I mean, I... maybe I'll change my mind after summer, but we'll see. 
I kind of agree with that though, because like Heretics were like they were a game away. Uh, Yanko's back just gave out. Uh, otherwise, they beat Mad Lions, <laughs> and then Mad isn't even in playoffs. So like I, I do agree that there is some validity to like the format isn't like the perfect like way to seed these teams at all. Yeah. Yep. All right. Fantastic. Uh, we have reached the end of our time. Uh, real quick, want to thank our good friend Arkham Avalon for the three-month sub. Uh, he has made it to three months on the sub train. We greatly appreciate it, as always. Uh, thank you so much for the, for your support. And everyone else who has watched uh, and smashed that follow button tonight, thank you for tuning into this episode of Flight Check. Uh, here's the amazing thing. LCS is back real soon. Uh, and that is very, very exciting. Uh, FlyQuest, I believe, starts out by playing 100 Thieves on the first day. They do. I forget who their, yep. uh, Friday matchup is against. But Thursday will be against. Uh, and that's not on. this, that's not this Thursday. I want to say that's two Thursdays from now. It's just next Thursday. Not this coming Thursday, but next Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is insanely soon. Um... So, you gotta make sure, you gotta follow us on Twitter for all of our reactions and thoughts to that. You can catch the show at Flight Check Crew, myself at SantosDB, Knox at Knoxwar with two R's, Curly, who's not here, you can catch him at Curly underscore double Q underscore, and you can catch Dean at ya boy, that's boy with an I, Trev Dean on Twitter. Uh, make sure to hop into yeah. our Flight Check Discord as well. All kinds of esports discussion otherwise taking place, including Dean dispensing words of wisdom about Smash Melee. If you missed any part of this episode, the VOD will be up on YouTube tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, if you're watching that and would like to catch the show live, we do broadcast the episode usually every Monday night, usually at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at twitch.tv slash flightcheckcrew. Nox coming to you first any final notes uh shout outs or plugs before we wrap up uh two things one uh the friday matchup is versus tsm so thir oh, thursday right. will be versus 100 thieves so it's friday will be versus tsm oh yeah easy easy um second thing is big 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 thank you to dean for being super freaking smart about the smash scene and coming on and sharing your knowledge with all of us it was actually very uh well, I learned a lot, believe it or not. <laughs> um, Appreciate so, that. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I love coming on here. Love uh, getting a chance to talk about Melee. Uh, any chance to educate and get people smarter about the game is something that I feel very strongly about. So thank you guys for giving me the opportunity. Thank you, Curly, for uh, uh, losing so I could do this. Appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Dean, uh, any shout-outs or plugs you want to make? I know you have a YouTube channel. Yeah. A very quickly growing one at a that. quickly growing yes. one. Why don't you shout uh, that out and so, any other things you uh, would like to hit? So just two things real quick that I want to uh, shout out for myself. Um, I do have a YouTube channel going. Uh, it is also just Dean, question mark, exclamation point, but you can find it easier by searching for uh, FGO in a nutshell. Uh, I currently am making shit posts about Fate Grand Order, and it's going surprisingly <laughs> well. Uh, and then I also have a podcast where I also should talk about uh, fate and other anime called Kotaksu, uh, spelled K-O-T-A-L-K-S-U. Uh, it's like the heated table, but talk instead of tot. Nice. Oh, I'll make uh, sure to put those in the uh, YouTube description as well. So if people want to check that out on YouTube, you can see 
the link to those. Yeah, and we'll put that in the podcast description as well. Yes. Uh, so, cool. Other than that, my part, uh, I'm going to shout out the Strawberry Frosty from Wendy's, which is currently sitting in my freezer, uh, back Ooh. for a limited time. Hashtag not sponsored, unfortunately. Wendy's, if you want to do a brand deal, hit me up. Uh, if anyone knows someone who is um, working with Wendy's marketing, let me know. It's- Sandy, uh, you didn't get me. A, you didn't get me one. You know, I'm sorry. Knox didn't get one. Either. Dude, uh, dude. Yeah, you, you, you and I are the no smoothie boat, Dean. It's yeah. fine. God. You and I can wallow in our sorrows God together. Damn it! All right, back to my bourbon. Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, all right. I think that is all the shoutouts I have. Um, yeah, that's all I got. So next week will be our LCS summer preview episode. So be prepared for an absolute banger. But until power then, rankings, until the power rankings return, stay safe out there. Don't forget to hit the head on the nail, and we'll see you all very, very soon. Adios, everybody. Ooh. Bye. Have a good Bye-bye. one, guys. And for Curly, for Curly, peace, y'all. Peace, y'all. <laughs>